Hi, this is Lisa Tamati, bringing you Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of limit pushers across all genres. Out-of-the-box thinkers, cutting-edge researchers, leaders, athletes, academics, entrepreneurs and social change innovators and more. Cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievements, their philosophies and motivation. Join me in my quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems of wisdom we can take from their experiences. Brought to you by runninghotcoaching.com, the platform that helps you achieve your health and fitness goals. It's Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits and welcome once again if you're a new listener, welcome to the show if you're returning, good to have you back. Now today I have Dr. Lior Rauschberger who is speaking with me all the way from Melbourne. Um, Dr. Lior has some really, really interesting things to tell us about his company called MyDNA.life. Now this as you'll be know, my listeners will know, I've been doing a bit of a series on cutting edge health technologies and what's coming at us in the future. And Dr. Lior and what he has at my DNA uh, fits the bill perfectly. So, Dr. Lior is a medical doctor. Uh, in an earlier life, and he has uh, now gone into a company called MyDNA.life, uh, and he's going to tell us all about what it is and what he's doing and, and all about it. So welcome to the show, Dr. Dr. Lior. That's all right. Thanks. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How's the weather in Melbourne? It's gloomy, gloomy. Gloomy. <laughs> Overcast. No blue in the sky. It's a bit dreary. Oh, no. <laughs> well, we had a tiny taste of spring, but I'm talking like 48 hours. Yep. And last week, and it's been back to gloomy, so I am looking forward to <laughs> really arriving. Well, you know, I, I'm, I I don't commiserate with you guys too much because, you know, in Australia you have more sunshine hours than we do. So I'm looking at a, a very rainy sky at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Leo, let's um, delve into who you are and like your, your, your background. Now, you were a medical doctor. Let's talk about that for a starters. Um, you went through university straight out of school, obviously very, very young. You must have been a bit of a, a genius, were you? Oh, I don't think I was that. <laughs> I, I, I did work hard and study hard. Yeah, so I, I graduated from medicine at a, at a fairly young age and went uh, eyes wide open or, or blindfolded, depending on you into medicine and started working as a young doctor. And basically, I sort of started getting interested in business and technology and innovation whilst I was working in the hospitals and started reading all these books and, you know, was really fascinated in the world just, you know, beyond just science and medicine and uh, I've been in various businesses, mostly technology and health related for the last 15 years. So I'm very, very rusty on my medical I can guarantee that. <laughs> so we, we won't be wanting to get any prescriptions from you necessarily. <laughs> no, that would be a dangerous thing, Lisa, yes. <laughs> 
But what you know, what I found fascinating, and I came across you uh, through another podcast, uh, a show that I uh, love, uh, Small Business Big Marketing, with Timbo Reid, and he was talking about your your entrepreneurial bent and how you got into it. Um, you you actually ditched your you well you didn't ditch, but you sort of left the safety of your medical profession very early on in the piece after spending years studying. What on earth? What were you thinking? <laughs> well, it was a bit scary, I must admit, at the time. And when you look back and you, you know, you, you, I still don't regret anything I've done. But yeah, I had been really either studying or working with the doctors. I've been in the medical field for nearly a decade, which is quite a large commitment in one's life. Yeah. And I, I just loved all the business. I loved entrepreneurship. I loved innovation. And I just loved that it was a whole new world out there. And, you, you know, you could, so many decisions to be made and go, in different directions so I, I did try and juggle both for a while I must confess I, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. really let go medicine so there was a period of time where I was trying to become a medical specialist so I was studying for my specialist exams and I was also dabbling with business ventures but after about five or six months of trying to dabble both it dawned on me that look you can't it's not possible to do both well it really is and I had to pick so I, I did stand over the cliff for a while before I you know, leaked into the, the scary, um, unsafe business ocean, as it would be. Yeah. And, but after about six months, and I, I got the conference, and I you know, jumped in there, and it, it really was a bit sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things have gone pretty well for me, and uh, you know, it's great. But look, there's, nothing, there's so many skills and life skills you learn through medical training, and, and uh, you know, being privileged enough to be a doctor, and those skills certainly serve me well. I like to think so anyway in my Absolutely. Business ventures, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I could I imagine that, you know, it would, especially when you when you qualify perhaps so young, I think you were 23 when you, you, you qualified as a doctor, um, you don't really know who you are yet. You've, you've dived into this one profession and then you realise there's a whole big um, big world out there that you, you know, that's obviously taken your fancy, this business world. Um, and so, I mean, obviously, you you know, you've got the, the, the mental brain power to, to undertake. So what was your first sort of entrepreneurial outing before we get into the actual DNA stuff let's just have a, a quick explore into the mind of a of someone with extraordinary achievements really well one of the one of the whilst I was literally I, was, I think I was working as an intern at the Alfred Hospital which is a large tertiary teaching hospital where I had done some of my young training so I was an intern so I finished medicine and I was I was mm-hmm. working, but I was working night shifts and it can get a bit slow night shifts mm. nights and other nights you just don't get to get your head above water and me and a friend we started teaching ourselves how to how to write computer code it was something we had never learned we hadn't had any formal training that was really interesting this whole world of computer programming and back then there were these first what was known as PDAs or per- personal digital systems <laughs> Palm Pilot I don't even remember the old Palm Pilot yeah you're showing, you're showing our age now <laughs> it was a stylus and it was Diary and contacting, you know, it was, it was a, a really early version of what we all have as a phone now, but back then it wasn't a phone. So we actually wrote some software that would help hospitals and also pharmaceutical companies collect data for clinical trials. So a lot of companies were doing trials where they were collecting data from patients that are all done on paper and wow. manual. It took a long time to collate the information and then prepare it all. And we said, well, why don't, we, why don't you collect it with these little palm pilots? And then we get the results to you really quickly and we can collate it quickly and it's all digital and automated. And that was their little hobby, which then turned into a business, which really got our, you know, 
got our attention for the whole business world. That was our first little foray to. We really had no idea what we were doing <laughs> back then. It was pretty comical, actually. You just, yeah. Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, and 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 this was a would have been a time when, of course, when you know this sort of technology was just emerging, you know. So it would have been yeah, pre pre internet really, and then, you know, just like wow, wow, yeah, so yeah. It was pre mobile phones, pre internet, and it would be as we understand it to be today. So yes, it was literally just emerging, and we were. You know, we were, but it was good. We had, we know it was really going to be a hobby, but all of a sudden we had customers and we had people that wanted the software and we had to start programming it. And as, you know, as I said before, we, we really had to make a decision we're going to have a crack at this business. Yep. Or we're going to go and become medical specialists. <laughs> That's really what changed so yeah, then you went into something a bit bigger. And, and so you, um, you went on and studied uh, a master's. I did, I did, in entrepreneurship. Yep, yep, and then you dived into a, a deep, into a, a company. Yeah, so then I got really involved. Actually, we wrote a business plan in that in that course at university uh, about a business in, in home technology and building technologies. And uh, yeah, so it was, again, it was just a, a bit of a business plan, but we sort of showed it to a few people and thought, this is a really good idea. And it was the early days of home automation, which is pretty widespread now, and now Apple and Google all have sort of offerings in that space. But yeah, so this is back in, in 2003 it was. Yep. And uh, yeah, we scrambled to get a bit of money and just with it, me and my business partner and we started that business. Yeah, which had really grown and become quite a leader in Australia and that was a yeah that was I really threw myself into that one but you know as I was doing that I always loved technology so it was very much sort of met that desire but over the years of working on that business I did miss the health angle yeah it really had nothing to do with medicine or healthcare yeah so you know and now it's great you know which we'll talk about shortly that you know my, my latest venture is very much combines business and technology and healthcare so it's really the ultimate for me personally. It's, it's made for you to a T. So yeah, let's get into that now. Um, so my DNA, this is your baby? Is this uh, something that you founded? Well, I co-founded it, but it actually wasn't my idea at the outset. I, I basically, one of my old school friends, we used to play cricket together. His dad is a very well-respected and internationally renowned professor of genetics. So he came to me many, about five or six years ago and said, Lior, here is a business that, it's not, it wasn't a business back then, it was just an idea. My dad is a professor of genetics, he understands genetics, he sees what's happening in this world of genetics and DNA, which is just, just emerging, and this is what our goals are. And we know you like business, and we know you've got a medical background, you think you give us a bit of hand, and that's how I got involved. So I have been involved from the outset, but I can't take credit for the idea. But when they talked about genetics and what it could offer it really resonated with me yeah totally i can i can ima- imagine so so this professor was obviously you know a genius chap and um was right at the cutting edge and he needed someone really to turn that into a business that that could really reach a lot of people and and take it away from just the science aspect exactly uh, there are i suppose it's very common out there. There's brilliant scientists who understand the science and the medicine, but in terms of taking that into a business and commercialising it, they really don't have much skills or knowledge. And that's where I added value. I had done two or three businesses that had been moderately successful with them. And so we took his ideas, 
and his understanding of the emerging area of genetics and DNA and personalised health and personalised wellness, and we've really created this business, which is now known as My DNA. Now, fantastic. So let's delve into genetics. I mean, I've um, done a little bit, just you know, very skimmed across the top on on learning about DNA. And um, I interviewed a while back uh, someone else from a, a company that was doing uh, genetic testing, uh, and I'm, I'm fascinated at where our health is going in regards to this area of science. And we're talking like personalised health, aren't we? We're talking understanding people's genetics, but we're very at the beginning, as far as I know, with DNA. How how can you translate this very complex subject into, you know, something that's translatable for a consumer to understand their own body? Yeah. Well, that's the real skill in, in trying to understand it because our genes are very complicated and we're only beginning to decode a lot of them and understand what they really mean and how they impact our lives. And there is so much research happening all around the world about genetics and what it means. And so I've basically got together a team of experts who look through all the research. So we don't actually do the research. Most countries are doing DNA and genetic research at the moment. And so we're looking through all the papers that are published. And as you say, Lisa, we're translating that into a really simple report that the average person can understand and it gives them insights into how to make better decisions and better choices around their health and their well-being. So it is a lot in the translation, but it's growing all the time. There's so much information coming out on the on the subject matter, and we are really just trying to simplify it all. But it, it does take an expert to be able to do that. It is quite complicated. I, I can imagine. So how, how accurate then is this for the consumer? I mean, you've got a couple of reports that people can can now purchase um, and it's a very simple process for them to do that and I encourage all the listeners to go and check out mydna.life not .com .life um, go and check that out and basically you take a swab and then you send it to you guys and you guys do what? So we get a it's basically a cheek swab so we just get a little cotton bud and you brush the side of your cheek and we basically then put that, send that to our laboratory and we get your, each person's, we analyse their gene. So we get the results. So we're all born with a certain blueprint of genes, which explains who we are. We're actually all born and we all die with the same roughly 25,000 genes, but it does unlock a lot of secrets of what makes us all unique and special and different, I suppose. Mm. So then what we do is we get those results and they're literally the genes are just one of four letters. They're just proteins in our body, and but they're in every single cell in our body. And then we marry that up with the research that's out there, and we have conversations with people about what, what that means of how they uniquely process things or how they should exercise differently. So I'll give you an example. So we launched a few months back a personalized weight management and diet report. Yep. So many of us try and lose weight, and many of us guess what's the best diet for us. There's a lot of guesswork that goes on. Very frustrating. There's a lot of what's called trial and error. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is frustrating. We're going to try this diet. We're going to try that diet. You know, there's a lot of trial and error. And so with genetics, there are about half a dozen genes that we can look at, which basically tell us without any doubt of how we process certain foods. So some people have, have a hard time processing carbs, some with fats. Some people have what's known as the obesity gene or the fat gene. Um, and some of them have a bad form of that. And we know that they snack a lot and that they should go on a high-protein diet. 
if they go to maximise their chances of losing weight. So it, it really is the ultimate in personalised information based on your DNA that makes you unique. And so it's it, it's very detailed and it's based on evidence that's being demonstrated and proven all around the world. So it's it's fascinating. And the diet report's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, every month there's new information coming out. And, you know, for you and your listeners, Lisa, you'll be particularly interested in a, in a sports and exercise DNA yeah. report mm. that we hope to launch in the next sort of six to eight weeks. Oh, very exciting. Yes. And so we're looking at, again, about eight genes for the sports and exercise report that tell people how, they, how their muscles work, what their oxygen capacity is. You know, what they're, you know, there's that, that famous gene that everyone's heard of before. Do you have the sprinting gene or do you have the power gene? You know, yep. Are you an endurance or a power athlete? Yep. All these things are determined in our genes or partially determined anyway. And they really provide really useful insights into, into what kind of exercise program you should go on that's best suited for your body rather than the average exercise program that someone might try you on. Well, this is what I find fascinating as a coach, obviously, is, and for myself personally as an athlete, um, it, it's extremely frustrating. And you, you know, like as a coach, you bring into the table your experience with your body and you try to help, you know, you know the science behind, you know, what, how people should exercise and, and why they should do strength and why they should do speed work. And, but you get differing results for different people and you can't nail it and you can't understand on your, in your, in your own, in my own life, you know, I struggle with oxygen carrying capacity. So it's really frustrating as an athlete, you know, you train as hard as or, or harder than the guy next door to you and yet, you know, you're not getting it, you know, you're not getting there. <laughs> and look, and I do tell not all about our genes. You know, it, there are many other factors at play, lifestyle factors, etc. However, it really is a great insight into your body and what's best for you. And, you know, it, clearly then if, as a coach or you can give that to your personal trainer and say, well, this is me, so let's, let's just create an exercise regime that's best suited for my body and my muscles and how my body works rather than necessarily everyone else's. Definitely. You know, the other gene that I've got, which is fascinating, which I, I always sort of instinctively knew, is that we look at a, a few of the collagen genes. So collagen is a, is a, is a substance that's in, in all our tendons and ligaments. Yes. And so some people that have a particular type of this collagen gene or a certain genetic profile, their tendons are much stiffer than everyone else's and they're much higher propensity of, of damaging or, or at risk of injuring things like Achilles and tennis elbow. And there's wow. lots of evidence around that. So, you know, obviously we want to recommend everyone to be sensible when, you know, in cooling down and warming up and stretching those muscles. But if you knew you had that high risk collagen injury risk gene, well, then you might be a little bit more diligent at doing a, you know, a, a longer, you know, warm up and cool down session than everyone else. Because there's other people that have a really good, favorable collagen gene and they can just do whatever they want and they're unlikely to get injured so it's really interesting stuff oh it's, it's it's you know knowledge is power at the end of the day and you can um it also gives you uh an explanation when you're frustrated yourself as to why this diet isn't working or this training plan isn't working or why you learn in a certain way or why you act in a certain way that's beyond sometimes your ability to fathom um yes. 
it will it, it'll help us perhaps uh, make the right choices in our in, in you know in the future at least in, in our career paths and our sporting path that we take um, in all of these areas where we otherwise we're, we're flying blind aren't we at the moment we're all flying blind Completely. I mean, there are so many decisions that we make in our lives that are based on trial and error and guesswork. And there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. But you're right. As you say, Lisa, with this knowledge, it just gives you much better insights into how to, how to act differently. Like, if you look at, I mean, you're an ultra marathon runner. So this, 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 the gene that's been so well documented is this, you know, endurance gene, yeah, which is seven to eight times more likely to be prevalent in Olympic marathon runners, etc. Wow. But that's not to say, so obviously if you didn't have that gene, that's not to say you could not become an Olympic marathon runner. But if you had that information at the beginning of your journey to, to tackle a marathon, well, then you would probably train and do slightly different things knowing that you didn't have that endurance gene. So what kind of things can I do to knowing I don't have that that yep. can help me get there regardless? So it's not necessarily you can and can't do this, but it really is just that knowledge to help you get on the road in a more informed manner. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, to be able to make the right choices and perhaps not even, you know, even avoid wasting your time in areas where you're not going to be particularly talented. I mean, in my life, for sure, I was told I was hopeless at running um, and I had no ability Thank goodness I, I ignored it anyway and went and did it because, you know, <laughs> it's been an, an interesting career regardless, but it has been a longer, harder battle uh, when you don't have the genetic, um, you know, talent for, for a certain thing. Uh, and I can't, I can't wait to take some of these tests myself now and <laughs> find out, <laughs> did I have that gene or did I just blindly, determinedly put myself through it anyway? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We are very focused because there are a lot of genes that we're, you know, we're particularly focused on what I call the actionable genes. So there are, you know, we want to have conversations with people say, here are your genes, but this is what it means for you. And this is a, a something actionable and meaningful that you can do now based on your genes. Yeah, there are a lot of genes that are more sort of general interest genes where, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice to know, but there's probably nothing you could, there's no intervention that you could practically take. So there are probably about 150 genes, which I call actionable genes, and they're the ones that we're focusing on having really useful you know, lifestyle and wellness decisions with people based on those specific genes. Because, yeah, like you said, there's 25,000 genes, and, and from what I understand it, we only know how 300-odd of them interact or work. Uh, yes. So you, you, you're touching the, the tip of the iceberg, but obviously... This what you you're you're gathering information from decades of of research from scientists and, and and professionals all around the world who are who are experts in this area. Is that correct? And then analysing that and then putting it into simple language so that Joe Blow can understand how that's that exactly works. what we're doing. Yeah, because if, that's right. Because if Joe Blow was go, I mean, and the, and the information's all on public record. It's, there's no information that you can't access that we've got. Yeah. So the challenge is that the, all the, all that research and all the genetic studies they're quite complicated. And for the average Joe Blow to make sense of it all in a simple, non-technical way is very hard. So we are literally are just you know simplifying it all and making it readable for the average. Consumer, and that's where you know that's where we where you know where people are really liking the reports we're putting out because they're simple. But we also do create a version that is more technical that you can that our customers can give to their healthcare professionals or healthcare practitioners. So there's yeah. a there's a real basic version of the report, 
But if you know, if you talk about the weight loss report or the diet report, if you want to go and give a nutritionist or a dietitian some more information, we make that available. And similarly, you know, in, in the areas of exercise, we might have we're planning on having a more technical version of the report that you could give to your personal trainer or your coach that could use that. So we would like to cater for both audiences and because they've obviously got different applications for the report. Well, yes, this is where I can see it, it, it being you no know, necessary. Like it's, it's wonderful to get a report, but um, you, you, you almost need counselling or coaching around the use of the report um, and understanding and, and also dealing with your genetics, like, you know, not going, oh, well, it's a waste of time if I try, you know, I won't even try because I, I, I don't have that specific gene yeah no we found that and look we absolutely found that and we found that you know half our customers and we've had thousands now that have done the the weight management report half of them said specifically to us look, we would like to have follow-up yeah i mean yeah. it's really interesting and but we need some extra motivation some more guidance some more mentoring to take this information and then act on it for you know to, to, to lose weight or to get in shape or whatever it might be. So that's exactly what we're observing. Yep. And so we are aligning ourselves with, with you know, a whole lot of healthcare professionals that can assist in the follow-up. Because it is important, the follow-up, as you say. It's not sort of like this silver bullet that fixes everything once you get yeah. the report. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine as, a, as an entrepreneur in this area, this must be quite a challenge to be able to package this, not only the scientific side of it, but to to educate uh, the health professionals, the personal trainers, the coaches, um, to market it at the consumer, to market it via um, the likes of doctors or, or chemists or, or gyms. Um, you must have your hands full trying to, yeah, turn this into what it, you know, what it possibly can become. Um, is that a bit of a juggle at the moment? <laughs> That would be an understatement, yes. Um, it is a big juggle because, you know, if you grab most people from the street and say, what do you know about your genes or genetics or DNA? Well, they'll tell you, oh, that's what I saw on CSI, how to catch a murderer. Yeah. So, you know, which is not untrue, but there is, we have such a journey ahead of us around education and awareness and marketing, not only to consumers, but as you say, to healthcare practitioners and professionals. So, yes, there. There is a whole lot going on, and but we do have big plans, and and, and we have a very big agenda. Yeah. But it is exciting, and what's the most exciting thing about what we're doing is that people that are getting these reports in all sorts of areas, and there's some medical areas that we're also focusing on, which we haven't touched on. But these reports are really changing people's lives, and people that have been struggling with various things, and they get this report, and then they go, they have a bit of an aha moment. They go, oh, really? That absolutely makes sense, and it, so it's really rewarding that we can have that kind of you know, impact uh, on people's lives. Oh, absolutely! I can, I can imagine. So that you know brings me to the question about around your other report, your your medication report um, that you have currently. Um, how does that work? And how like you know when I go to my local GP, say I've taken this. I've taken this um, test. I've got this report now. I, I've read my version of it. I bet I'm going to get resistance from my local GP who knows nothing about this. Is he, is he or she going to say to me, this is a load of rubbish and I, because they don't know about it? Or are they going to be – I mean, that's what I'm facing often in other areas with, you know um, – uh, you know, when I and and I know that doctors are struggling with with patients coming with ten Google printouts, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and a lot of it is like, you know, getting told this is rubbish. Um, Absolutely. Well, the, the answer is it depends on your age, and I'll tell you why. If you're a doctor, and, and this is a problem, even, even, even when I studied medicine, and I only finished medicine 20 years ago, this whole field of genetics and personalised medicine and personalised health, it didn't exist. I mean, we, I remember learning in medical school a little bit about the DNA, but that was it. Uh, so, you know, any doctor that's sort of 40 or more, just they never learnt about this in the medical training because it's really a science of the last decade. And, the, you know, you really would have had to have caught up in the last five years on your education and training to understand this. So, but what we have done to address that and we understand that is that we have been working and we haven't sort of formally launched in with doctors in New Zealand yet, but in Australia we have been providing courses and education and training to doctors for many, many years. Wow. So most doctors now have heard about genomics and DNA and, and, and about how it can help them make better decisions about what to prescribe to their patients. And so we actually, and because we send them, we very much involve the doctors when any, whenever a report, whenever a medicines report is ordered, we've had very little pushback and negativity. Uh, and what it does is it's actually no different to the, what we talked about in dieting before, is that to try and avoid this world of trial and error, when you go and see your doctor and they prescribe a particular drug to you, often there's a bit of guesswork going on. They know what's the right drug to give you, but why they pick between various drugs and what dose to start you on, that's a bit of trial and error. And they say, start on this Lisa and come and see me in three weeks and we'll see how you're feeling. Mm. And typically, or not often, not typically, but often you might say, oh, look, I'm having some side effects and they might try a lower dose or you're saying, look, I'm still not feeling well and they'll try a higher dose. So this goes on a lot, trial and error. Yeah. Prescribing. Yep. And again, there's some genes that we look at that, that give us, it's not for every drug, but it's for a lot of medications. It says the best medication to start Lisa on because of her unique body makeup would be this, would be drug A versus drug B and at this starting dose. It's very specific. And it's having a massive impact on, you know, optimising prescribing. But it how, really is about optimization. How can they, you know, like if, if I go to the doctor um, with something, you know, a generic, or, you know, like something that's common, um, mm-hmm. I can understand that. But how, like if I go with, you know, I've got cancer, for, for example, or I've, or I've got um, something that I've been dealing with, hormone problems and imbalances. Yes. How can the DNA actually be specific for where I am at in my particular journey? You know, like how my genes are actually expressing in the moment. Yes. Um, yeah. You know. Well, some of those areas are still being defined and yep. are not well understood yes so you're right it's not for everyone in all instances with all conditions yep. so there are certain conditions and certain medications that the test is really useful and there's many others where it's not useful yet or there just simply isn't enough evidence or enough research on that topic yeah i do firmly believe that as we understand what more and more of these genes mean in the future you know genetics and understanding of dna will really have relevance to every single medical decision and lifestyle decision that we make. But today, you know, we're only really at the very tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So, you know, if, you know, certainly, you know, for hormones, seeing that this research is just coming out to looking at hormones, there are some genes that help, you know, can talk about cancer, but this is quite a, a, a complicated area that um, is really what specialists are dealing with. But, you know, Angelina Jolie made very famous the yes. BRCA gene for yeah. breast cancer. So mm. that's just another example of, of gene 
means helping people make better decisions and more informed decisions, but it, it is all coming. It, there will be a wave of genetic information in the next five to ten oh, years, is my prediction. It's ex- yeah. exciting. It really is. Yes, it is. Very much so. So we can, it, does it tell the doctor how the body metabolises or, or, or the detox pathways that it takes? That type of information, is exactly it? exactly what it tells you. So the oh. genes that we look at for medications, they only relate to medication, some medications that are processed in the liver. Yep. Some some medications we take a process in the kidney, so there's no genes for those yet. Mm-hmm. But the liver ones, which is a lot around uh, analgesics for pain, uh, non-steroidals, anti-inflammatories, antidepressants. Yeah, there are some really big areas that are, these drugs are heavily processed in the liver. Yes, and it does tell you that. It tells you that wow. a, a particular patient will process this drug slowly or quickly, or as you would expect. So, if it, if that person was to process drug as you'd expect, you'd you'd start them on this on your average starting dose. So, yes, yeah. but if they process the drug quickly, well, then the average starting dose won't do much. Yeah, you might need a higher dose. Or, wow. Yep. Or a different drug to try. Yeah, it's like that exactly. That's how it works. Yes. So, is it similar? So, if I, you know, uh, recently I did a food sensitivity test. Yes. Uh, that was done uh, taking blood. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it apparently shows what I'm not processing well at the moment. Would yes. this test, you know, give me the same results if I did the food test uh, that you offer? Or is that a, you know, like, is, is the DNA, like, we're born with our DNA. Does, it, does it explain yes. the expression of your genetics currently? Or does it just explain your genetics full stop? Well, okay, so it, the answer is a bit of both, but the reality is that we don't have enough. I, I think it'll be all of both. Certainly, no, it's currently and full stop. It's actually both, but the problem with it currently now is that we, as society, we don't have all the answers yet. We haven't studied all the genes yet. There's not enough research out to understand what all the gene expressions are today. But I do believe, you know, in the next, you know, in the, in the coming years, more and more of that will be understood. Yeah. But there is, interestingly, what you're sort of touching on, Lisa, is this field called epigenetics. And I won't get too technical, but there's this whole field of what actually can turn. We're all born with the same genes. Yep. But sometimes the genes get turned on and off by, by factors that we don't yet fully understand. And so there's a whole teams of scientists around the world that are studying epigenetics to see... Well, if we've all got the same genes, how come that person got cancer and that person didn't? There must have been something in their environment, or did they get a virus, or were they living in a certain area near chemicals that turned those genes on that made those cells cancerous? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a whole separate area, which is very complicated, and it's not an area that my DNA focuses on yep. yet because it, it's still emerging. Yes, yeah. So it's it, yeah, that, that, that really explains for me the difference because I had to look into epigenetics and I was struggling to um, you know differentiate between the two. So that that that's a brilliant explanation. So yeah. I mean, you're really at the forefront of a huge revolution that's coming our way. I mean, you're probably, uh, you know, um, the, you know, the first forerunner of what's going to be a huge, huge industry. I'm hoping, and there's quite a lot of, you know, there's not many operators in our space in Australia uh, and, and Asia yet. In America, though, there's already a lot of operators, which I think is fantastic because it's such a big journey. There's so yeah. much education. There's so much awareness. I'd actually welcome more and more people into this industry because it'll just help 
raise the awareness across the board. But yes, it will be an enormous industry, and in the in the years to come, and it, and it, it's really going to affect. You know, my 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 wacky crazy idea is that in the supermarket of the future, the aisles that you go down will be based on people's genes. So you will wow. go down an aisle and pick foods and creams and skin lotions that are optimized for your genes rather than just. Oh. Optimized in product. You like that, Lisa? <laughs> I do. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future when you say that. And that would be fantastic just to know, you know, what I should be eating, how I should be training, um, to understand. Does it, does it help you also understand the way, say, your child learns or, um, how best you operate in a, in the career, you know, side of things, how your brain operates? Um, it, it will, it, it doesn't yet, but it will. There's no question it will. And my other wacky thing is that I believe that, you know, they they, they might discover in, in, I don't know, in six or seven years of the dating gene. You know, what, how do you work out who you, who's a life partner for you? You know, we might, these, the understanding of genetics and compatibility and pheromones might actually help reduce the crazy divorce rates around the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would there be scary. That, that's a bit outlandish. But yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm only being half facetious. I mean, I am being a little bit facetious. But, oh. um, you know, these things are very possible. Yeah. And, and what's making all this possible is that as the cost of genetic testing keeps dropping and dropping and dropping as the technology improves, then there's more... There's more and more research going on and there's more genes being decoded and understood what they mean. So it's, it, we're just in this sort of, you know, it's all it's like a sum of everything's coming together at the same time. Reducing costs, more research, more studies, more understanding. It's a great, it's a great and exciting time in well, medical genetics. Yeah. I have a, you know, quite a few people I know in my listening uh, audience who, who, you know, are trainers, who are coaches, who are athletes, who are also health professionals. Um, can people now, you know, get in touch with you and become coaches or become, um, yeah. you know, like how does a, a doctor get in touch with you, and be, you know, so they yeah. they can offer this service, yeah, if so, you like? Yeah. So on our website, you can register interest as a healthcare professional. So we have doctors that are registering and we're offering training for them and doing webinars and, and training. And, and same for trainers and coaches and dietitians. Yeah, so we're absolutely doing that. We want, you know, part of our job is to let as many people know about this and, and also all the various professionals to so give them training in it so that, you know, when we start sending out these reports, and we've already started in a few areas, but as it grows, that there are people that can to help with the follow-up with people that are interested. So absolutely, on our website, is you can you can put in an expression of interest, yep. so, so to speak, and reach out to us and we'll follow up and, and, and be in touch. And, yeah, the, the, the geography is not important. You know, we've got we're starting operations in lots of countries at the moment, and we we're getting interest from Canada and the United Kingdom. So it's very exciting time for us. I should probably keep that quiet because I'm definitely going to reach out to you as a as a you know coach <laughs> and say we want to offer this we want to offer this service on our <laughs> on our platform. Um, Absolutely. Oh, look. I think that that sort of sums it up in a nutshell. So, currently, what reports do you have? Just the two reports, or uh, you've got the, the the latest exercise one coming out shortly? I've seen the exercise one. It's in final draft. It's actually wow. with the, the final design and tech teams. So, we currently have the medication reports. We have a weight management report. We will be launching any minute now a sports and exercise and fitness report. And then there's a whole lot of other ones in the pipeline around vitamins, 
uh, around hormones and fertility and detoxification, which you mentioned, oh, Lisa. Wow. And there's also some fun ones, which are still interesting. Like we've got a caffeine one that's nearly finished. We all process caffeine differently and it affects our sleep differently. So we're going to tell people about that. Oh. Uh, so there's a whole raft of them. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's such a growing area that I would like to. I mean, it might be a little bit ambitious. Every couple of months, I'd love to be releasing a new report because I think that's what we're going to have to be able to do to keep up with the information that's out there in the community. And the demand is going to be, you know, once people, because it's really educating people about something that they, they didn't know they needed, you know, it's like the, the iPhone 20 years ago. No one actually knew they needed one. Now we couldn't live without them. Yes, it's, uh, I'm hoping, yes, I'm hoping that's, that's the, that is the vision. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be a big visionary to take on an industry like this, and you obviously have that power to do that. So I think this has been a, a, an extremely interesting interview for uh, the listeners, and I do encourage everybody to. And these reports are actually very reasonable. I was surprised, Dr. Lior, about you know the pricing um, of your your standard sort of reports that you've got now. They're all like ninety nine dollars. Yeah. That's Australian. Yes. Um, yeah. That's really you know achievable. Um, we want we want this to be accessible to everyone. We don't want and we're, so we've been investing in equipment. And as the price of t- testings come down, absolutely, that is our goal. You know, we want to keep them below a hundred dollars, and you know, and some of the even the smaller reports we would like to get to closer to fifty dollars. So I do want this to be accessible to everyone. Now we only you know we obviously the reports look at a certain target area, and there might be f- further reports that you could. You know, acquire yeah. it after the fact. But yes, we absolutely, that is a deliberate strategy of ours, not to make this out of the reach of everyone. Yeah, not just for the rich and famous who can afford everything, which is fantastic. It has to be available, um, this sort of knowledge. And I think, it, you know, um, having many different reports available makes it very specific to the actual problem that the person is facing. So I can, in future, within the next couple of years, I'll be able to go, I've got a problem in this area specifically. I want to report specifically on that for my genes. Can you do it? Uh, and you'll be able to say, yes. yeah, and that won't be break the bank to, to, to get that. Um, once people sign up and they give you their DNA, um, yes. is, that, that stays with you on file, so in future for future reports that, that can be used? Yeah, if you, so that we give that... that that's a really important question, actually. That only with the you know with our customers' blessing and consent. So we do encourage that, so that we can keep them updated when there's future things available. Yep. But it's up to them. You know, we do not own everyone's DNA is their own personal property. I have a very strong belief on this. Yes. You know, we will only hold it with people's blessing as a custodian. So we certainly won't share with anybody else, and that's really important. So we do, we do with people's blessing, we freeze it, actually, yep. and then if in the future if there's more updates and more advances, that we can always run another sample without having to collect again. And uh, we, can't, so <laughs> we don't need to worry that, um, you know, the, the police are going to come knocking on your door because you've given them your DNA and, <laughs> and you, subsequently you're up for a crime or something like that, and they can get access well, to it. Yeah, so well, that's an interesting question, but we look, we we don't believe that's appropriate, and no. we don't, our policy prohibits that. So within the confines of the law, we don't into we don't feel anyone else should have access to that. No, um, you know, without your consent, yeah. So well, that's, I mean, yeah, just puts people's minds at yeah, rest, I mean, exactly. <laughs> No, it doesn't. You know, people are worried that, you know, will you share with insurers? Will you share? No, the short answer is no. We will not, under any circumstance, share it with anyone else unless you ask it to be shared. And yeah. so I think that's how it should be. Yep. And uh, we are hold 
holding that ground pretty firmly. Oh, I think that that's absolutely essential and, and good information to get. Well, Dr. Leo, I want to thank you so much. For, I know you're an extremely busy man with a big corporation to, to run and a growing one. Um, and, you know, is there any final sort of words that you'd like to share, um, places where people can get in contact with you, etc.? No, I just want to just, you know, thanks for having me. It's been really interesting. And no, I just want to, I just want key to spread the word. Like, you know, I'm just encouraging people to jump online and learn about DNA and personalised health and personalised nutrition. And, and I just think it's it's such an important area. And uh, that's really my take-home message. Yep, and I think as a, me as a coach, I think we'll be getting our company on board and uh, <laughs> starting to do some study with you very shortly. Look, thank you, Dr. Lior. I'll let you go now, and I appreciate your time today. No problem. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having me. wanted to let you guys know about my new Mindset Academy. It's called The Path of an Athlete and it's all about how to develop mental toughness, resilience, leadership skills, how to overcome those limiting beliefs, those self-doubts that we all have and how you can achieve your dreams and fulfill your potential. So head on over to lisatamati.co.nz forward slash e-course to find out all about it and get involved. You've been listening to Pushing the Limits, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, your online health and fitness coaching platform. For more information, visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com.